Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Ocean Protect podcast. Talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect, committed to change. Talked about uh, Ocean Protect becoming a, a network member of uh, Healthy Land and Water. And I guess one of the be- benefits of being a member of Healthy Land and Water is to get access to some of their publications and data. Well, just on that, bit of a plug for Healthy Land and Water. So, you know, what are the benefits for organisations out there that want to align themselves to, you know, to, to contribute money to your great organisation? Give us your uh, elevator pitch on... Uh, how awesome Healthy Land and Waterways are. So Healthy Land and Water, we've got a couple of tiers, I guess, two major tiers. One of those is that we're one of the 56 natural resource management bodies across the country. Just just on that, because I quoted Paul saying that, one of the 56 natural resource areas. Name me one other organisation that I've heard of that takes care of another natural resource area. Yeah, I couldn't. So are you telling me there's 55 natural, <laughs> natural resource areas without anyone like you guys doing anything about it? Because that's no, no. What so each natural resource management region, yeah. so South East Queensland's yeah. one of those, yeah, they yeah. have a natural resource management body. Okay, but who's – so the one up the road, who's in charge of that one? The one up the road, so the one above us, which would be Gympie yeah. and up is Burnett Mary Regional Group. Have you, have you ever heard of them? No. Have you, okay, what, what about the one down south? <laughs> Yeah, not sure. Yeah, exactly. hey, if you can't name them, that <laughs> indicates to me. Well, okay. New, well, New South Wales is different, but no, yeah, in no, Queensland. Okay, so, so that's fifty-six only in Queensland. No, no, sorry, there's fifty-six across the country, well, but New South Wales no, has name, name catchment one. management authorities, Terrain NRM, Wet Tropics NRM. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Well, okay, Reef Catchments NRM. Okay, okay but in New South Wales, Fitzroy Basin NRM. So you know, each region has. Well, an where, NRM where, body. where can we go, Brad? Can we get some show notes in here? Let's list out <laughs> where those 56 natural resource areas are. Okay, yeah. yeah I'll jump online. Endeavor. Jump online on www.naturalresource. Natural resource management, yep, yeah, bodies. Just Google that. It's fair to say that Healthy Land and Water, though, is probably the one with the highest profile. It's, uh, maybe I'm just biased because I live in your natural resource well, area. I think Healthy Land and Water is a bit different because we've got the urban and the rural. Yep. So what happens in the reef, for example, is the natural resource management bodies are predominantly focused on the rural mm. sort of peri-urban rural yep. community and the urban areas as you probably know are more council managed yeah. yeah so in southeast queensland healthy land and water has that urban management remit as well if you mm. like but mm. we're not government no we're not a regulatory authority this is a predominantly a community-based organization 
Okay, two things. Yeah. Where do you get your money from? So, Mo, so just some background then. All those 56 natural resource management bodies deliver the federal government's national land care program. Okay, so that's – you get paid to – to, from the federal government to deliver that one program. Components so of that component. program, okay, exactly. Great. Yep. And then state, state government. They pop in a bit of money? Yeah, so Healthy Land and Water uh, has the Ecosystem Health Monitoring Program. Yep. So you probably know about that. Paul just spoken yep. about it. It's, Great podcast. Yeah. Couple Paul's of, trending well in uh, Paul's Vietnam awesome. and <laughs> Spain. No, yeah, in Spain. He's doing very well in Spain. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah look, I, I think about 75% of our listeners are from Australia, but we ha- get some – they're from all over the planet. Dr. Paul, I don't know if you're single, mate, <laughs> but don't go to Spain, oh, mate. Don't go, don't don't go to Spain. Don't go there, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so we've got the Ecosystem Health Monitoring Program that's funded by the members here in South yeah. East Queensland. Okay, so predominantly the local government. Local okay. government and state government fund that. Okay, cool. And water utilities. Sorry, and water utilities. Yep, yep that's cool. right. And then we've got a state government funded erosion sentiment control, urban storm water management Which has program. been very successful. We spoke about that with Dr. Paul last it's week. It's been great. Yeah, um, re- really successful, very well supported. That's right across the state. So second question. Where is the Sydney-based organisation called Healthy Harbour and Land? Because <laughs> no, no, because well, I'm the yeah. vice president of Stormwater New South Wales. We've got a new executive this year, Andrew Thomas, uh, Alan Benson, fearful leaders. We meet every second Monday night. What's called the Three Wise Monkeys meeting, and we're looking to you guys. And this is actually one of the reasons we want to have a bit of a chat later on. Is to go well, where is the Healthy Land and Water of Sydney? You know, mm. we we talked about some of the, the figures last week with Paul. Was it fishing's two point something billion dollars out of Moreton Bay per year? Per year, I mean Sydney Harbour and tourism alone's five something billion dollars. Where is a community-based, well-funded organisation looking at not only the mm. urban area and the urban catchment, but you know, where is that? Is there is there one based down in Sydney that I just don't know about? There, there should be. What are they I've called? Just had a look. Stormwater New Great, South Wales. Greater Sydney. Regional body or yeah, something. Yeah, okay. But the, the, the fact remains, if you're in our industry, everyone knows who healthy waters or healthy land and waters waterways are, basically, mm, yeah, Brad. very yeah. much so, yeah. You, could you – we yeah. just said before, could you name another one? No. Look, no. I, I, think it's, I, I think it shows uh, probably – What good work these guys are doing. Yeah, uh, yeah number one, uh, in, in terms of positive message, what a, what a great job that healthy land and water do in terms of their various initiatives and actually uh, raising awareness around uh, various issues they're trying to solve and also the successes that they've had. The Ecosystem Health Monitoring Program is world class. It's an incredible 20-year-long ecosystem health monitoring program, which is recognised around the world as just being super – uh, they have the Healthy Land and Water Awards every year to celebrate the successes of various groups and individuals across the region, which, again, is real positive. You didn't make the cut this year, I saw. <laughs> no. No. no I, There's I, always next year. It's always <laughs> next year. Being positive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or maybe Jew is really optimistic. Or <laughs> but, um, look, Healthy Land and Water do a good job. But I think it's – yeah, look, the point I guess Jeremy's trying to make yeah. is, yeah, look, I think it's fair to say that other groups probably have a lower profile, and that might be due to a, a number of reasons, whether they just put, are less well researched or, or less having less success or maybe there's a real lack of coordination amongst those various uh, management areas. Well as a serious note I would like to find out who at the federal government we can get in touch with because why can't my or the Stormwater New South Wales be delivering on some of these federal outcomes? You know at least go back and start that discussion because what you guys do up here is really you know unique and it's, it's, it's great for awareness, education, everything that we've just discussed. 
but why are we not replicating this? And what, what yeah. are the limitations to us replicating this? Is it something that you guys maybe want to take the model and then replicate? I yeah, don't know. that's a great you know, point. Let's like, not reinvent the wheel. There's a Let's lot of steal some staff from you guys. <laughs> right, what are you on? What do you want to come? <laughs> so, yeah, look, there's obviously a lot. It's the fact that other national natural resource management groups aren't actually contacting Healthy Land and Water and actually picking their brains, stealing their templates, uh, working out what they've done well and what they've learned from. The fact that you, you're not on a first name basis with all these groups indicates to me that they need to be chasing you down. Obviously, yeah. you've, got, you've got your own job, you've got your own remit, and you're obviously your task. And we, we should point out, uh, Rachel's actually the team leader of uh, Water by Design, which is, a, I guess, a, a component of the Healthy Land and Water program. We probably should talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about that. Water by Design. I just wanted to touch, yeah, yeah, yeah. though, on um, there is a, a Queensland Regional Groups Collective. So, ah, okay. And I'm sure that there's similar in, What's their name? in other states. Queensland Regional oh. Groups. Oh, it's <laughs> 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 oh, trying to catch you out there. And, and look, the NRM groups. Um, what does the NRM stand for? Natural Resource Management. Okay. No, no, I'm just making sure people know at home. These were Not groups. Not as me. These were community. <laughs> no, but it's a beautiful story actually because they were community-driven groups under the original Natural Heritage Trust. Mm. And so the federal government said, okay, we're going to shift natural resource management away from state and federal government, we're going to give it back to the people. Mm. Essentially that was their catch cry. And, you know, in the in sort of 2010s, I think it was, um, I'm not really sure the history, but the Natural Heritage Trust came into effect and that's where these groups sprung from. Yeah. And so they're community driven. They've got very deep contacts and connections across the community. Healthy Lands and Water, we really are reimagining what that model is mm. because federal and state government funding has just been on a downward decline for years now and everyone can see the writing on the wall. How the hell, as a business, are we going to continue to be sustainable into the future? And that means that we have to really have a look further beyond reliance on government funding and that's a great opportunity. Does that, does that mean more or less uh, Healthy Land and Water has a almost consultancy arm now? Or? And, and, and that's the, they're the questions. They're mm. the type of questions that the organisation is currently but feeling and understanding what would that look like because we're 50% owned by the South East Queensland Catchment Management mm. Association. So that's over 500 groups in South East Queensland. Yeah. You know, we need to be careful. We've got a very strong and powerful social licence to operate. Yeah. So understanding that that's valuable and that we don't want to take away from that value or renege on our promises in any way, how do we do that? Yeah, and also be seen as, I guess, profiteering from your regarded and prestigious position. Yeah, so we're, we're not for profit. We'll yeah. always be... Be not mm. for profit and, mm. and profit. You know, if we were to have a commercial arm, it would be a profit for purpose. But this is like every the struggle of every non for profit. Whilst you are non for profit, you still need to be commercially sustainable. And the fact that you're having to go basically cap in hand to the government every year and saying, "Hey, look, you're going to give us some money this year," and and you see that sort of pool of money or resources being provided to you diminish over time. That's a real concern. And, and, and to be honest, it's highly disappointing when you think about how important the health of our waterways uh, and obviously in our neck of the woods, Moreton Bay and the Brisbane River, the Bremer, the Logan, uh, etc. Uh, the fact that these waterways are so critically important from aesthetics, economic, uh, ecological, uh, social values, the fact that we need to be struggling to find appropriate funding to appropriately protect them is just depressing, to be honest. And... and when you lose that community capacity, that takes you decades yeah. to rebuild. Yeah. If, the, if, for example, if the ecosystem health monitoring program fell over tomorrow, that 
incredible signs that is being collected ongoing would essentially just be stopped and we just have a moving forward we just would have a very poor understanding of the of the health of the bay the trends what are the key pressures what are the success stories etc yeah. how yeah. do we know where we're going yeah I'm also co-founder of the Milton Community Gardens uh, down at Gregory Park and, you know, that's sort of been over the last year that we've started to build that gardens to become, you know, a meeting and learning place for our local community. And for me, I can see that that is the, the shift. The shift is communities taking control of their local place and governments taking a, a real step back mm. and that's going to have implications in terms of funding so we have to understand you know this discussion around yeah okay we can put these stormwater interventions into place but who the hell's going to maintain these yeah. things you know yeah. who are going to be the guardians of this infrastructure that we put okay. in place very interesting okay so the what i've learned the australian government are responsible for the two main waterways so the murray Dallin uh and the australian coast three kilometers out the federal government's responsible for, or plus Canberra, and I think the Northern Territory, because the feds own that as well. What we're trying to work out at the moment is go, well, okay, feds, you, you're saying that, because um, Scott's come, sorry, Mr Morrison, I really love you, <laughs> Mr Morrison's come out and said in the UN about plastics and blah, blah, blah. He's come out saying that, probably knowing that it's not his responsibility to pay for it, it's coming down to the states. What we're saying is, well, hold on. If local government are knowingly polluting our waterways via not adequately protecting stormwater infrastructure and not adequately maintaining it, then they and the state know that, then the state are knowingly polluting our oceans. Mm. So it's almost like a reverse domino effect. Feds are going to go, well, hold on, tidal influences, you telling me that plastic doesn't go you know, out of Moreton Bay and just keeps going out to the ocean like we do down in Sydney. So we're trying to get the feds to, to lean on the state mm. to then to lean on to local government. It's not going to be down to one person or one organisation being responsible for that. It is collective. It's got to be local, state and federal and the community has got to be responsible. So it's, it's a very complex issue that I'm sure you know probably more about them than what we do, but it's one where funding's going to dry up. Who's going to be responsible? We need to get this done. Otherwise, children and our children's children, well, we're going to be eating plastic fish, um, you, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it, it's not simple though, right? Because no, so if you complex. look at children, if we talk about children, you know, in our state government schools at the moment, you've got cleaners and groundsmen that pick up every single bit of rubbish that a student drops within a day at school. You know, there's no stewardship at the moment with students in terms of litter or rubbish. Yeah. It's someone else's problem, yeah. someone else will do it. And that's been there for a long time, actually. Yep. So my kids, you know, it wouldn't... When I was at school, you picked up your own rubbish. You did like emu parades. And now you just don't do that anymore. Really? Really. It's a punishment. So if you get in trouble, if you get a detention, yeah. then you go out and pick up rubbish. Shut but up. otherwise, it's someone else's problem. Someone else will do it. You know, there's there's no skin almost. in the game at all. Well, look, I've uh, seen my fair few uh, detentions over over my life, <laughs> Rachel and Bradley, um, but we didn't have to pick up rubbish. It was back in the day of corporal punishment. So, <laughs> ouch. There are lots of examples of what we call the tragedy of the commons. It's everyone's responsibility, but no one looks after it ultimately. Well, okay, and our waterways on. are a beautiful example well, of yeah. that. So we've got multiple state government departments yeah. who've got remits for, for certain areas of the waterways but no one takes responsibility yep. for the waterway. So in terms of our cleanup program, we've struggled for funding for years and years and years. You know, I, you just get sick of begging People for money. For money. And, yeah. and so, okay, that business model's just not working. So yep. what needs to change? 
money, as I said, money, it's, money. it is complex, but it needs a, an injection of investment. It needs yep. it needs leadership, and it needs someone to stand up from state government, federal government, local government, and the community will follow yeah. because they're ready. And I totally agree, Rachel. It does need a champion. It almost needs. Like they've got the Murray-Darling plan. You know, it almost needs, you know, a collective, right, there's a minister for stormwater. Or do you know what I mean? It needs someone or some organisation overarching that can bring those pet people together. It needs a leader. It has leadership from, from a community grassroots level. Yeah, it has, yeah, it has localised leadership. Yeah, for sure, but that ain't going to get us some money. No, it's not, no. no. And look, I mean, the state government have a plastic pollution reduction plan. It's been in development for the last 12 to 18 months. There were a lot of people that sat in rooms mm. and talked about this is what we need to do, this is the issues, these are the impacts, mm. we've got some solutions, can we try them, can we trial them? Mm. You know, it sort of went nowhere until last week when there was, you know, the minister made an announcement that, I don't know what plates or Pla- plates yeah, 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 yeah. Sing- single-use plates and single-use plastic cutlery will be banned but in Queensland, and they're progressively going to ban single-use plastics. Look, I, I'm, as everyone, all our listeners know, I'm obviously not the sharpest tool in the shed. But what I do know is that a lot of local governments are disillusioned. I won't say it, but a council down in in Sydney believes that the best form to stop litter going down out into our oceans is street sweeping. Now I'm like, okay. This is an inner city local government area. How many roads can you street sweep? Because you can't street sweep where you've got cars parked. Mm. And in, a, in a day. In, in a day, number one. <laughs> number two, do you know what those brushes do to little bits of plastic? They break them up even further. People need to look in the mirror and from an organisational point of view and go, okay, guys, you know, this it needs to be a complete, right, let's bear it all. Let's get naked. Let's go, right, what's and all, <laughs> what's going on? You know, it doesn't. We're going to find out stuff that we don't necessarily want to 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 come out into the public. Councils are going to be put under the fire. Brad, you've done a lot of work assessing condition assessments, local government. I mean, this is one of the biggest things. In, in my meeting yesterday with uh, with the feds down on the hill, local governments don't know half the time where their gross pollutant traps are. They don't know where their infrastructure is. They don't know when the last time it's going to be maintained. And even the best councils around the country. They still probably don't know where all the assets are. It is not good enough. And we need we need to turn around and reverse model and go, well, if we did do this, this is how much pollution we, you know, turn it into a positive mm. story, not mm. go, oh, you're so bad. Yeah. Look, ultimately this is a complex problem with a whole bunch of aspects to the solutions. And I, I, I as much as I believe uh, a whole bunch of cash and resources and funding is required from a government level and, and to have that coming from federal government would be amazing, I think we've got to get that, get away from this mentality of someone is coming to save us. We're all part of the solution and it involves a whole bunch of aspects. If federal go- federal government has a role, for sure, funding and putting appropriate bans on single-use plastics, you know, the government just should just do that. We're, we're, Australia is a coastal country. We need to, we just we just can't do plastics anymore. We can't do single-use plastics. We just got to, back, having said that, we're going to start, the, we're going to start at the community level as well, or at least continue or enhance what we're already doing there in terms of education. And I think we've got to be really smart about that education. Like, and I think 
think we're getting back to what we talked about at the start with Rachel with her um, positive messaging. Like with all your collective knowledge from 20 plus years of uh, community education and, and natural resource management, I think we need to be really smart about how, like taking from, learning from those experiences and, and keeping the message positive. I think we'll win. And we know what solutions work, but we know the education works. We know the, 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 the container deposit schemes are very effective at reducing litter. Yeah, but hold on, hold on. We know they, they, we, we know they, they are, yeah. they are, yeah. but we also know that they can't guarantee where that plastic's going. For sure. But again, they, they're part of that, but they're still part of the puzzle. That for and, sure. And yeah, so for sure. Thing, but just for the listeners there, yes, when, you put, sure. when you put your bottle into a return and earn scheme, they can't guarantee that that's not going up to China at present. Yeah, but that's my next step in the puzzle. The, the, we need to create a circular economy in this country. We cannot be discharging or transferring our waste to foreign totally shores. I agree. The government came out yesterday, Susan Lay yeah. um, announced, obviously, the, I think there's a timeline around it. So something yeah. next year, which is a start. Yeah, we're going to, Australia. Scott Morrison was on the the, top, the Christopher Pines podcast recently, saying they're going to, in the foreseeable future they're going, to, they're going to put a ban on all waste export oh yeah, well from Australia. So it came out yesterday. Yeah, let's Google it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. But I guess again, that's part of the solution. We need to create a circular economy. We need to actually create a subsidised demand for recycled products in this country, and we need to make sure we 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 use it for everything. You know, whether it be road bases, whether it be street furniture, whether it be uh, new infrastructure. Etc. Ultimately, stormwater treatment assets are part of the solution, but they need to be appropriately maintained. They don't need to be put in anywhere, everywhere. But they do need to be put in our high pollutant generating areas. So I'd say uh, high density residential, commercial, industrial, and tourism Roads. areas. Roads. Actually, one of the things that you said um, at the start, Rachel, was your river cleanup crews know where those pollutant hotspot areas are. What are they generally? So, so the areas where you know there's going to be more litter in the river than elsewhere. Yeah, I guess you might be asking about what's their proximity to stormwater outlets and, you know, that's... Oh, well, where's the That's one of the drivers. There's over 35 in the Brisbane River. So, you know, it's based on the ebb and flow of the river, you know, how the currents are moving. Uh, There's one up at UQ... One down at Kangaroo Point, you know, one up Norm- Norman Creek. I mean, they're everywhere. So are they predominantly around, I guess, they're, highly they're populated areas? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they're eddies where the flow of the river acts as a collection point, yeah. essentially. So Most it, of them. It's more or less consistent what we'd expect. So, And we know this from cleaning out uh, stormwater treatment assets. Your The high litter loads are in areas where you've got a lot of people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So high, absolutely. high numbers of people and high impervious areas. So we essentially know where the best place to put in stormwater treatment assets in. If, if in terms of the cleanup, which is the, the lowest of the low, the, the the most expensive, least effective, yeah, there's a, there's a role for that uh, in terms of beach cleanups, etc. But for my mind, it's a multifaceted approach. But this is the thing about all the environmental issues that we often talk about in, in, in the media. Ocean plastic pollution, waterway plastic pollution is one we can actually solve really well. We have put a proposal for a litter pollution index to the state to integrate it into the Healthy Land and Water report card, right? We've got report cards now all across the state. We've got report cards across the country. So, you know, if we integrate a model, it could be rolled out fairly easily. That litter pollution index would enable us to understand where are the hotspots, who's collecting, what are they collecting, and then drive and focus the effort that community is making on cleanups into something tangible, we've got baseline, we've got trends, we've got targets and we've got a vision together on what we want to achieve. At the moment, there's so much going on that's all, you know, it's um, spud a gun, no one really understands who's doing what, where we're concentrating and no one's got an end vision collectively. But that strategy that you've developed, or sorry, Healthy Land and Water have, that 
that is essentially the plan that could actually solve this plastic litter pollution problem. And, and it acknowledges and recognises the enormous amount of effort that the community is putting into yeah. end-of-pipe cleanups yeah. and yeah. trying yeah. to utilise that data to inform source reduction plans in yeah. their local community. Yeah. You know, it allows us to all sit together and develop a vision that we want to move towards. But at the moment, there's the players, for some reason, don't want to sit together and do that. So wh- hang on, what, what, what's stopping flicking that switch? So there's a plan... How can we just come? There's a plan. There's co-investment. We've pitched it to the state. Macquarie University are on board. Griffith University are on board. We cannot get the funding for it. Okay, radio. So, who do we need to head up and get on this podcast? In or how much cash do you need? Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, look, it's a it's a low investment. It's it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get this thing going. To get it going, but how much ultimately would it cost to implement the ho- every the whole kit and caboodle? To get it going in southeast Queensland, one hundred and fifty k in the next sort of twelve to eighteen months. What you've got this enormous What's amount f- of community that's, that's effort though. That no swearing. Put, flip, it. Free, right? flip, <laughs> flip it. Flip it. Flip it. What one hundred fifty grand. Brad, mate, you could just stop eating carrots, mate, for a week. <laughs> Maybe just stop making you smoothies. Oh. <laughs> Rachel doesn't want to hear us argue. <laughs> Seriously, that just it's seems... nothing. Peanuts. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So you've obviously been doing this for a while, and I can sen- sense the sort of frustration in your voice. Jeremy and I come along, <laughs> and, you know, with our Ocean Protect T-shirts and our hand-waving and, and long hair... What do, you, what do you think of us? <laughs> Welcome you guys with the open arms because, look, it just – I don't know what it needs. I don't have the answer. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of work that community are doing. You know, I cannot go to another conference about litter and yeah. plastic pollution. Oh you know, I God. just can't yeah. because yeah. it's been talked about for so long. I don't understand what the barriers are. I, I don't fully understand what they are, but I, I think it's it's our bureaucracy too. You know, we love to box ourselves in, Brad. We love to do it. And we don't understand just to get in there and start to do some stuff and see what happens and learn along the way together. So, so Jeremy and I aren't backwards in sort of, in sort of being loud and obnoxious. It, that's the that's two great qualities that we do share. So what would you like us to do? 
I'd like to. Like 150 big ones. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great, yeah. actually. That's just where I was well, going. Well, to be honest, that's, that's like, you know, no, we're, no, we're, no. we're the, around the halls of uh, uh, federal well, government. Jeremy's in Canberra yesterday. I'm going up to the Moreton Bay Council this afternoon. I was in Noosa Council no, no, last no, week. No, no, Ocean Protect, we're looking at a marketing budget. We'll throw you some cash next year. Give us yeah, a proposal. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about a litter pollution index for South East Queensland and I, how I, you'd I, like I, to be involved I, in I reckon that. A lot we, of we certainly would, certainly would like to be involved. I'm not sure we could come up with the whole 150 No, but if you do that in a co-design way so sure. we sit around the table together and understand what what do you need to know what are your targets what are you moving towards and collectively how do we solve this problem together is, is this why you accepted our podcast <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is, this why, is this why we're going to lunch with you and Andrew afterwards I have no I, preconceived notions I, I, at all I feel like we're getting set up here Brad <laughs> but I, I look at this and go as much as we're frustrated as much as we're sort of you know we're getting somewhere mate but again this is a real positive news story and this is, I think, what, what I think at least Jeremy and I will try to bring to uh, the collective group. And, like, we get we go to Litter Congress as well, and we get equally frustrated. Oh, we well, look hold, on, hold on, hold on. It's a Litter Conference two years ago, and the head of the EPA for waste management didn't know how pollution got out to the ocean. Oh, we were at a we were at a meeting uh, with a I won't say the politician's name. Yeah, it's green senator. Green senator. 30 years' experience of environmental sort of uh, awareness and education, whatever. Thought that stormwater went to a wastewater treatment plant, but but, but so so does eighty percent of <laughs> most the people. people do. Yeah, like and I, yeah. I think I've seen some of healthy land of water, uh, and we've done our own research. Most people th- don't know that stormwater generally goes untreated straight into our waterways. And but this is the thing: it's not that this is why stormwater is so interesting. One, it's conveying pollution out to our oceans, and it's an amazing way to get rid of water. But number two, it's a resource. Like, yeah. yeah. We're in drought. I was in Sydney last night looking at Bulkham Hills on fire. Yeah. You know, we've got no bloody water anywhere and, and, and we're just – we're not reusing this and treating it and it's – it's gonna be it's gonna be complete catastrophe for us to do anything. You know what I mean? It's it's like when a politician's gonna stand up and go stormwater pollution's a big problem when someone dies from it. But you know you know what, we've boxed and siloed yeah. ourselves so much. That's how I see it. We have completely disconnected with our local communities. Mm. They've got the solutions. Mm. You know, we don't have local communities that are not informed. Most local communities are fully informed. They just need to be Bought around the table. Yeah, we actually get quite a few people writing in, like from just from listening to podcasts or social media stuff, going, "Oh, hey, I'm I'm at South Tugra Beach. We've got. I'm sorry if I'm um, doing my imitation of your voice wrong. We're at South Tugra <laughs> Beach, and we've got a problem with our stormwater pipe. Can you come and have a look? Great, we'll go send someone up. A community group's going, "Hey, we're trying to lobby go- lobby the local government to clean out the gross pollutant trap that's upstream. So the community are aware. They're not stupid. They and often, as you say, they know the land the best. They know where the rubbish is coming from." It's just how we get them and empower them, but then actually get the money to make a difference. So if you have a litter pollution index, we can go, okay, lower Brisbane, here we go. We know where the hotspots are. We know we can track back. We know where it's coming from, from the source. Let's get local community involved, schools, progress associations, Red Crosses, businesses, all around the table. Here we go. Put the maps up. We've hotspotted it. We, we really, we've got a good sense of what's going on. 
now let's make some strategies together. So we've got a plan and in five or ten years, this is where we want to be and this is how we work towards it. Mayor Adrian Schrinner, I'm coming for you, buddy. Yeah. Um, zero litter to river. I know uh, when we... This la- is the Brisbane City Council, Brisbane man. Ca- he's a legend, absolute legend. I know that he will be listening to this as he listens to every episode that we put out on Ocean Protect. <laughs> I personally send that to him. No, no, but, mate, it takes leadership. Yeah, look, it does. It, it does take leadership and you're doing some wonderful stuff up here. Yeah, good luck with getting the Olympics. But, mate, let's clean up this river once and for all. It's easy. And once you put infrastructure in place with stormwater management, once we reduce what we're using, the waste management hierarchy, mate, this this area is going to flourish. This can be an amazing good news story. And, and I'm calling on Lord Mayor Adrian Schrinner. I'd love you to come on the podcast, mate. And I think even come and sit and have a chat with the guys at Healthy Land and Waters because they're doing some great stuff. They need some funding. Oh, I'm calling 50 big ones from Brisbane City Council. I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it. But obviously, in addition to Mayor Schrinner, who might uh, Schrinner. Schrinner, tune into our podcast, obviously we have a lot of listeners in the community that want to do the right thing and, and try their best to protect their waterways. Have you got any sort of pearls of wisdom for, for our sort of um, community-based listeners? Yeah, there's heaps of stuff you can do. I mean, obviously, using less plastic, you recycle as much as you can. Thank God Coles and Woolies now have this soft plastics recycling. For me, that's Mm. been a winner in my household because we convert so much soft plastics now away from the general waste stream. So what is that? I don't go to Coles and Woolies. So so Coles and Woolies now have a soft plastics recycling program. So they collect soft plastics from the community. So Mm. anything that's soft, so cling wrap or, you know, anything that you can sort of squish down, you take to Coles and Woolies and then they've got a a business agreement with Replaz. So Replaz is the only Queensland organisation actually that recycles plastics Mm. into furniture or chairs and and whatnot, playground furniture and the like. Put them in the show notes. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, the, yeah, yeah they're do. great. They're fantastic. In fact, Milton State School, which is my state school that my kids went to, we were one of the first state schools in Queensland to be a part of that replays program. Ew. And so this is getting kids to collect, you know, I mean, you can imagine how much cling wraps in, in lunches still, oh, even, though, even though nude food is big. Mm. There's still a lot of soft plastic. So, yeah, you can divert that. That's got its waste, its own waste stream now. If you compost, you know, that's another oh. sort of 24% that you can divert. I can't believe – like, I've got a compost bin. Jeremy knows I'm pretty proud of my compost bin. I actually went to put my bins out last night. I didn't actually have anything to put in – to the curb, yeah. like my compost, and, and like talk about it. Apart from your ego, <laughs> <laughs> that could have been. That's right, That's got his own postcode. <laughs> but literally, like my compost, and to be honest, I eat a lot of food, a lot of veggies and fruit, and all that sort of stuff. And I put so much stuff, so much scraps in my compost. Yeah, but what's left after you eat all your carrots, mate? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like the, the the benefit of just waste reduction, I found with my compost bin is unbelievable. Now we've got community compost. Hubs, Milton. We've yeah. just set up a community composting so you, hub. It's so, awesome. So that basically, you can take people listening. You can take your compost. You can take it down to the community, and so that means you can access the manure as well. Or well, we or using it for your garden. We've just turned what twelve tons this year. We give it to a farmer. He takes it out to scenic rim, puts it on his soil. So we don't yeah, feed yeah, it back okay, to the cool, garden because there's too much. Okay, cool. Um, some, that's so cool. Some gardens, but again, that's that circular economy sort of mentality yeah. that yeah. we'll be talking about. Yeah, obviously reducing what we're using, compost. What's your third one, Rach? Are we talking plastics or waste? No, just the take-homes, you know, for the people at home. Pills of wisdom. Pills Look, of wisdom. Support, support your local catchment groups, you know. Yeah. They do an amazing amount of work in terms of litter and cleanups of creeks and, you know, they are out there every weekend slogging it hard to ensure that our waterways 
are clean and healthy for us to use. So anyway, you know, look, we're all busy. Depending what stage in life you're at, you can give them money. You can donate to them, you know, or you can go out and join them. You can take your kids and, you know, remind them what it's like to be a part of a community or continue to be part of yours. Because a lot of people don't realise but voluntary organisations, obviously there's thousands of them, Often they just need resources, you know, not necessarily giving them money, turning up there, turning helping up. them helping them collect data, helping them do this. Often they just need people. Mm. So if anyone's listening to this and wants to uh, listen to Rachel's Pearls of Wisdom, get a hold of your local community group. Google Milton Community Group, m- wherever you are, jump on the Google and, and get involved, guys. What are you laughing at? No, I'm just saying, jump on the Google. You love putting in your little terms about Instagram or whatever. <laughs> Jeremy's very internet savvy, honestly. So I can tell, I can he, pretend, tell. he pretends not to be all over social media. <laughs> He's there checking it every bloody Actually, we've, on our website, we've got listed all of the catchment associations across Southeast Queensland. Oh, there we go. So health, healthy land and water, hlw.org. Dot au. Dot au. Okay, cool. Right, well, can we, we've sort of glossed over this. Um, have we got time to have a bit of chat about water by design? Mm, cool. Yeah, love to. Great. Because this is actually your your job, really. Like, we've, we've been talking for a while well, now, but we haven't yeah. actually even talked about it. It's become water. my job now. <laughs> so okay. you are team leader Part, at yeah. Water by Design. So what what do Water by Design do? So Water by Design, oh, Water by Design have been around for about 14 years mm. now. Water by Design originally sat with Healthy Waterways for many, many years and, and now obviously has been integrated into Healthy Land and Water. And Water by Design is essentially a capacity building program for urban water management, uh, urban water managers uh, across Queensland now. We were focused in southeast Queensland, but now we're delivering a erosion sediment control and urban stormwater management program in the reef, and we also deliver that here in southeast Queensland. So, you know, really our main focus is trying to build the capacity of practitioners to deliver world's best practice in urban stormwater management. Yeah. But, you know, in a nutshell, that's it. As you would know, Brad and Jeremy, that's just it's just not easy. No. You know? So we've got this issue where... You know, you talk about having litter audits in council. Uh, you know, if if you jump into any council, you're going to have minimum standards that aren't even being met. So, really? I mean, you know, across various come across on, across <laughs> across various councils across the country, I am sure yeah. that there are some that are not meeting minimum standards. But particularly in relation to, I guess, waterway health protection, mm. is that a fair call? Because to be honest, like like we used the example I think Jeremy mentioned before about how uh, in Sydney. Forty uh, percent of their stormwater infrastructure is below standard. Is is sort of needing sniffing recognition. Non, non-operational. Non-operational. Twenty percent will never work. Non-operational. Yeah, twenty percent need to be decommissioned. Yeah. Twenty percent uh, need major rectification works. So, but they they fluff up and say sixty percent of our network's working. Yeah, about, uh, play on words. But that's PR. consistent with sort of other con- asset condition assessments we've done for various stormwater treatment assets for various councils across Queensland and New South Wales. Like, so generally we see about half of all assets needing some rectification, or and about twenty percent, twenty to thirty percent need major rectification or have completely failed. No council would accept that level of standard uh, for footpaths, roads, bikeways. Well, it, uh, but not, not to mention the amazing people that turn up on a bloody weekly basis to do beach cleanups. Yeah. I reckon we should go, every beach cleanup, we should say, hey, there's your local gross pollutant trap yeah. upstream. Go and have a look at that. And you, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and how, how do you feel about council not maintaining that yeah. device? Or how do you feel about council not enforcing the maintenance of uh, maintenance on private sites, for example? This is the thing that I, I, I don't get. Like, councils are really good at roads, rates and rubbish. Because that's... Well, no, because no, no, it's no, so visual, no, you know. I mean, we're talking out of... Out of out of sight, out of mind, aren't and, we? And also, t- 
and, and historically, that's what people care about. I'm, I need a bus stop. I've got a pothole. That's what the voters care about. But as we know from the research uh, undertaken 10 years ago here in southeast Queensland, yeah. uh, we replicated that same question. What What is Australia's biggest concern with population growth listed 16 or 12 or whatever it was? Marine and waterway health came out as the number one concern, which mirrored a study done up here 10 yeah. years ago, or 2010. And there is votes in this. So when you come back to it all, we know what the problem is, we know how to fix it, and we know the community cares. Stormwater's got an image problem, though. There's no doubt. You know, I mean, people people don't understand that many of our urban creeks have gone underground and they've become yeah. drains, you know. Yeah. So the values that people associate with urban creeks have gone ostensibly. They've disappeared. So I guess probably that's probably a key initiative that, like, we talked about various... Glass uh, tops and gross pollutants. Yeah, yeah. We, we talk about various initiatives around, you know, protecting our waterways. Probably one of the things that we need to do as a stormwater industry is actually basically just get this problem and raise it to the surface. You know, Jeremy mentioned, let's put glass tops on our on the, on our well, manhole. Glass, maybe perspex. Perspex <laughs> tops. So people can actually physically look into our GPTs. And it's an amazing number of times I hear people say that. They, they well, actually, that was that was not my idea. Um, I forget her name. I think it was Stephanie. Lovely uh, person we met in the Green Building Council presentation we gave in Melbourne from Lynn Lease. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She said, well, why are we not, you know, if we can't physically show people... Put, put perspect top so you can see what's going on. That's one way. But anyway, we're getting away from water by design and what rate Yes, does. true. Water by design, so it's got, again, it's got a couple of components, but it, they're really geographical components because there's a Southeast Queensland program and then there's a reef program. So the Southeast Pre- uh, Queensland program predominantly is funded through local government. And this is about local government understanding exactly what are the state of their assets? What are their maintenance schedules? What do we need to do? What are the capacity, capability and skills of our staff? Just for state government. Local government. Local government. So, so we're going in there, we're holding workshops, we're doing training, we're undertaking audits, we're going out on building or, or sites. Audits for councils? Yeah, for councils. So, so when yep. I'm speaking to... For their policy, their strategies, you know, the, what they've got in play. Will you, will you audit their physical gross pollutant traps and all their... We don't do physical gross pollutant well, trap audits. I, mate, we're going to try and get state to fund local government to do this auditing because that's that's the benchmark where we can say, well, this is what's getting generated, this is how we're going to fix it, this is how much it's going to You know, I've, I've you got to... You guys should maybe do that. I've maybe, got maybe to honestly do- say, though, those offices that we work with at a local government mm. level are fully engaged oh, in best practice. Yeah. You know, I mean, you guys would have to agree. Well, they well, just well, don't well, have the resources. Well, this is yeah. my whole point. We're, the individual people are amazing. Uh, yeah. They've got champions everywhere. But at the end of the day, they're hamstrung by money, money, money. That's that's what it's coming down to. And if we can help that and, 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 and help maybe hey, Dr. Paul, he's got nothing to do for six months. <laughs> Put him onto it. Yeah, come on, go down and sit here down holes and look at gross interest. But no, the, we're, we're trying to enable state government to enable local government to, to, to really fess up. So anyway, we've segued away. Um, so you, you spoke about that part of water by design. What else do, do so, they Yeah, I don't know if you guys know, it, there's been in development for many years now, probably for the last sort of five or six years, the development of this urban stewardship framework. So essentially Essentially what this is is a monitoring and a reporting program for urban water managers. Part of your report card, isn't it? Well, it will eventually become part of the report mm. carding regions. Mm. So in the next couple of months we're going to hold some pilot workshops up in the reef and that does look – I mean – it's an it's a quasi auditing process, but it's it's an it's an opportunity to prompt council to understand 
where they may not be meeting minimum standards or to what rate they use, they're meeting minimum standards. So it's an ABCD rating just like the reef report cards. And I think that's, yeah, that's uh, an impetus for councils to, to better understand and then feed up what's required for them to become best practice leaders in the field of urban water management. And that looks at point source, diffuse and, and construction. So, you know, it's, it's been a long time coming, but it's starting to come into play and that will be a way for utilities and councils to be able to report on the activities that they are undertaking to achieve hopefully what we what we hope will eventually be best practice and that's that's the thing half the time the community just want to know if you know this is the beauty of of the report card it's mm. the beauty of reporting back to the community and saying hey waterways are really clean we've done a really good job this month then people feel as if they're a sense of belonging they go great and even if it is bad news hey guys a bit of bad news this month or whatever at least you know it's it's, it's awareness and then people can choose to change their behavior themselves it's self-empowering almost so yeah so the, you know the issue is underground literally so the community have no idea who's managing it, how they're managing it and what the impacts of that level of management are. Mm. So an opportunity to be able to report on what that management constitutes will be amazing for raising awareness of the community of mm. you know, what is this stormwater system, you know? People still don't know. Yeah. That's, that, that's it, that's it. Music modelling guidelines. Is that something else that Waterby Design do? It is. Yeah. Yep. Some really exciting news is that a couple of weeks ago we had the first Water by Design Steering Committee meeting of which Brad would have lovely memories, I'm sure, but which we haven't had <laughs> in didn't play. Get an this time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brad. Uh, for the last four or five years. So, you know, unfortunately over the last sort of six months we've had a decline in funding for the Water by Design mm. program. And particularly for South East Queensland. And that's had a significant impact on the program. Yeah. It will have a significant impact on the program. And one of the opportunities that uh, I guess we've pinpointed is that we need to get this committee to come back into play because water by design or stormwater management industry for certainly in South East Queensland has been lacking a voice um, in terms of waterway management mm. from an organisational perspective anyway. So yeah, a couple of weeks ago we got all the members back around a table in a room talking about stormwater management for South East Queensland and what we need to do to promote and progress. That's really that's really good to, to, to hear because there hasn't been much of an update in those guidelines for a while, has it? Well, I no, think the big no. reason is lack of funding. So back in the day, I'll say early – the first water sensitive design guideline was in 2006. Yep. And I think that's a key reason why South East Queensland is probably one of the leaders in water sensitive urban design for a long time because we had this water by design capacity building program which issued a whole bunch of guidelines, did a whole bunch of training courses around the appropriate planning, design, construction, establishment and maintenance uh, of stormwater treatment assets and water sensitive urban design assets. So bioretention systems, wetlands, swales, etc. Uh, and that was a great and that, benchmark. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. But a reason why that, that uh, program was successful was it had appropriate funding. And as we've sort of talked about, the funding has diminished over time. The, the, the issues are still as the important the same, as ever. Not worse. Uh, but the, in the absence of appropriate funding, the ability for Water by Design to deliver on various initiatives 
diminishes. Well, and it's such a complex, continually changing space, as you know. So if you don't have ongoing funding to maintain and update guidelines, you know, they become obsolete yeah. or worse, they become a risk for the industry because they're based on figures that, you know, yeah, we've got 10 years I, ago. I we feel, know. I feel as if there's going to be another checkbook moment. <laughs> what do you need, Rach? <laughs> what do you need? Look, for the next eight months, we need to understand what the needs are of the region uh, in terms of the South East Queensland program, okay. I think. So so we need to take a step back so that take we can go forward. forward. Okay, yep. cool. Um, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for um, having I me. I feel as if there's going to be one of many chats. Um, I feel as if there's going to be a bit of collaboration going on once Brad uh, pulls out his checkbook. But um, <laughs> I really appreciate um, taking the time to talk about a range of uh, different issues and in a very candid way. Thanks for coming on our little show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been great. Thank you, Rachel. We are going to solve this little problem. Solve it together, Brad. Thanks for listening to the Ocean Protect podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.